0: Welcome back to another episode of Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair and with me today is Grace Ramage, my co-host. Hello, Grace.
1: Hello, Fee, and hello, everybody listening in to a huge form preview on Ladies Who Punt today because we've got two massive races on the calendar this Saturday, one in Melbourne at Caulfield, and the other in Sydney at Randwick. And uh, both of them are grand final races for the horses and the trainers that are targeting them. And I cannot wait to get stuck into seeing who the winner might be for both the Caulfield Cup and also the Everest. Yeah, we are doing some New South
0: Wales form. Our New South Wales listeners will be so happy with us. We are obviously very Victorian heavy, um, but great to be able to hit up to Randwick and preview the Everest this weekend. Such an exciting race. Uh, 15 million dollars on the line the best of the best sprinters taking their place really excited for that one and then of course with the Caulfield Cup one of the big three of the spring carnival at Caulfield this weekend where we see horses in their grand final peak fitness having their chance on Saturday so another great weekend of racing there is a lot to cover this weekend with these two big races we want to do pretty in-depth previews so let's get stuck straight into it Uh So we're going to go up to Randwick first, Grace, to the Everest. It's a weight for age 1,200 metre race. So, Grace, the Everest is Australia's richest race, being worth $15 million. But at this point, it still doesn't carry any black type, meaning it's not a stakes race. Despite this, it is still incredibly competitive and jam-packed with some of the best sprinters we've seen in the last few years. I have no doubt that in the coming years, we will see this race be recognised for the quality of horse it attracts. But how do horses secure their place in this race?
1: Yeah, well, it is such an interesting one because if you are just looking at the form guide and you're seeing $15 million of prize money but see that it's not even a Group 1 race, it's really confusing. So the Everest is only a relatively new race. Uh, It was brought on board by Racing New South Wales. as a big new race to sort of bolster their spring carnival because in Australia – internationally spring is recognized in melbourne so new south wales a few going back a few years decided that they need to add some new races um, to sort of piggyback on the success of the spring racing carnival in general this time of year so the everest came on board every year it gets a prize money hike so it just continues to go up in prize money which is now at 15 million dollars is like absolutely unbelievable but what it is, is the racing pattern committee is unable to just go and say, look, here's a new race. Yes, the idea is to get all the best horses in Australia to go there. I'm going to give you a group one status. The pattern committee, in which is a, a national body, they are responsible for making sure that every race that's got a black type status um, is attracting horses worthy of that race. So uh, there's absolutely no doubt this is a group one contest in in its makeup but i suppose that it'll need just a few more years maybe maybe it's a 10-year thing i'm not entirely sure but the patent committee just need to see time and time again it's attracting a group one field before they can say this is a group one race
0: and so how do horses take their place here it's a wait for age how do you how
1: does the order of entry work it's another really different one um and it's was basically the first or one of the first of its kind. Now we've also got down in Melbourne the All-Star Mile, which is similar the way that it is formed. So what the Everest is, is 12 slots. 12 different shareholders are allowed to purchase a slot and therefore have a horse represent them in the Everest. So Godolphin has a slot, Coolmore has a slot, but then Chris Waller has also gone and bought a slot. The TAB, Inglis, they've bought slots as well. So it's a sort of a, a marketing incentive for them to have a horse representing them in their slot to take their part in the Everest. So in terms of the way a horse makes his way into the field, it's not just based on um, what they've been up to recently and how they've been going, but it's actually a negotiation between the, the slot owner and the connections of the horse. And over the past six months, we've heard on on a number of different occasions, you know, Inglis has announced that they've got a new horse racing for them. And only this week it was confirmed that Godolphin would have ingratiating race in their slot so it's totally different um, the way that the field is composed to any other race which um, this is still weight for age. that's the way that the weights are allocated but it's it's totally different in the sense that it's all up to the owners of each of those 12 slots to determine who is going to race for them in the Everest.
0: So a horse like Jack and O'Grace who takes his place as a three-year-old like up against some of the world's best sprinters arguably he has Coolmore slots, so and he's also a three year old cult. So there must be some negotiation behind uh, the scenes that if he wins this race as a cult, that mm-hmm. he might head to Coolmore in the future as a, a stallion prospect. it's It's quite political and tactical, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, like it's all about the negotiations in terms of the prize money split, like that's all up to the people that are doing the deal with the Coolmore on the Jacono case. Jacono is by Rubik and was bred – and raised at Coolmore. So it makes sense for them to want to partner up with one of the horses that they have bred and raised. But you're right, there's definitely obviously something on the line there in terms of being a stallion prospect. If Jackano wins the Everest, there's no doubt um, being already a Golden Rose winner that he's got a home at stud and that'll most likely be at Coolmore.
0: Now, Grace, I want to talk about Randwick, the track. We don't do a lot of form up in New South Wales, so it's good just to get a lay of the land. What kind of track is Randwick here in Victoria? We talk about how Flemington is very fair because of the long straight, whereas Moonee Valley with a tight turning track and shorter straight sort of favours the leaders. Where does Randwick sit in, in that sort of
1: space? So Randwick is definitely the Flemington of Sydney. Um, it's got a really... Long straight, 410 metres, and is a really big, spacious track. Um, Definitely very fair. Every horse gets their chance. They just go in the opposite way. Melbourne so if Melbourne's going left-handed Sydney goes right-handed so Randwick is spacious the other metropolitan track or the other I suppose premier metropolitan track in Sydney is Rose Hill and that's where we have the golden rose and the golden slipper but that track is definitely more like Caulfield and Rooney Valley in that it's a much tighter circumference and it's a shorter straight so that is when you can sometimes get those horses that are on speed um, or settle near the speed to be advantaged at Rose Hill, whereas at Randwick, it's just totally fair. You can basically win from anywhere.
0: Okay. And so what kind of surface are we expecting to see on Saturday at Randwick?
1: Well, it's currently a heavy eight, which it has been in Sydney for a long while now, like down here in Melbourne, in Victoria, we're thinking, wow, this rain's no good. It can go away. Sydney have been copping this all year so let's just spare a thought for them um it's a heavy eight in sydney at the moment but i think it's actually going to have a few clear days of like 23 degrees or something so there is a chance that we might be on a soft six or a soft seven come race day which i think everybody would be absolutely thrilled about given that even last saturday we had a meeting postponed they couldn't get through the remainder of the meeting because of the rain so to be on a sunny day for everest day i think everyone will be so thrilled with that and how it's unfolded definitely
0: especially with caulfield looking like it's going to be absolutely sodden it would be great to have one of the races on somewhat fairer ground
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
0: okay well let's take a look at the market now we have a $2.15 favorite in nature strip i quickly want to take us back to our first episode where we discussed odds and looking at the cheat sheet that we put up on our socials for that week when we hear that we have a two dollar favorite that means the market is predicting that nature strip has a 50 percent chance of winning that's a pretty Mm -hmm. confident market grace but for arguably australia's best horse what do you think about nature strips price
1: yeah i think it's about right to be honest fee um I don't really – I mean, he's ninety out to $2.15. That's okay. $2.20, $2.30, no problem. So I just don't think he's going to get any bigger than that because realistically, Nature Strip does have about a 50% winning chance of this race. Like I'm going through the field and I'm thinking who can beat him. Nature Strip was only a few months ago – at Royal Ascot, beating the best sprinters that the world has to offer. And he absolutely towled them up that day. And yes, travel can sometimes mean that a horse comes back and isn't in the same vein of form that they were when they were over there. They might have been a little bit pooped coming back with all the travel and then they get turned out. But he's already come back and he has already won a race, um, being the shorts a month ago, beating a lot of his key rivals here again. So that gives everybody confidence that, no question, Nature Strip is going as good as ever. Um, so in terms of the price, I think $2.15 is about right. If he gets to $2.20, $2.30, that's fine. If he starts getting to $2.50 territory, he would probably be, oh, like that would be an unbelievable price in my opinion for a horse that is going to be extremely hard to beat in the Everest.
0: Yeah, really encouraging to see him come back and win that group too and, as you said, beat so many of the rivals he lines up against with here on Saturday. So I don't think going to Ascot's really done much to him. How does he go on the soft to heavy
1: tracks, Grace? He absolutely loves wet tracks, oh. and which makes sense because it's often wet in Sydney. So a lot of the horses have got good, good wet track form, um, which I suppose makes it easier to do wet track form in Sydney because everyone's had experience on it. And unfortunately, just a little side note, a lot of the horses in Sydney that don't like wet tracks are now here in Melbourne and some of them are racing in the Corfield Cup. Well, that's a shame because they're getting a wet track. So that's a complete disaster for them. But the horses that are here, they handle wet tracks well and nature strips as good as anyone going through the conditions. Um, so that's absolutely no knock from him. Barrier 12 um, is also okay for nature strip. We know that he, he as a horse, um, is a sustained speed sprinter. So he doesn't like to go sit, sit, sit. I'm going to go really slowly early and then I'm going to go burst of acceleration and win. He likes to just go out and sort of set a really fast tempo from the outset and he'll sustain that speed all the way and get stronger to the line. So, um, there is more pressure in this race fee. Like, Each and every Everest, you've always got a couple of other horses that um, are sort of a little bit off the radar, I suppose, when you're talking about weight for age sprinters. There are a few horses in this race that, um, you know, just add some spice to the speed. Uh, The ones I speak of probably be Joyful Fortune, who's lightly raced. Shades of Rose goes forward. Apache Chase goes forward. Um, So there's good speed in this, but I don't think that should bother Nature Strip, given the way that he likes tempo in his races anyway
0: Mm, yeah and what does that mean for a horse like number 11 jackano like he's coming in for a weight for age he's three years old he's carrying five and a half kilos less than nature strip and jackano sort of likes to sit at the back and and fly home like he's got a big job to chase down a horse like nature strip doesn't he grace
1: yeah that's you've literally hit the nail on the head when it comes to Jack and o, and it's just my opinion. So there are two, three year olds in this race, which is super exciting because three year olds at weight for age, get that weight relief, which you mentioned. So, you know, we'll be talking about the Cox fight next week and we'll have, um, potentially a couple of three year olds there again. They've got that weight relief, which can, it can do wonders, um, in a, in a high-pressure Group 1 target. So we've got two of them here, Jackano and Giga Kick for Clayton Douglas, who's a, a Mornington-based trainer here in Victoria. And that that horse is undefeated, Giga Kick, so he's exciting too. But Jackano's clearly got the runs on the board because he's the last out winner of the stallion-making race for three-year-olds, the Golden Rose in Sydney. But... You've hit the nail on the head in the sense that that was at 1,400 metres. And if you go back and watch that replay of the Golden Rose, Jackano has dropped from the clouds in like the last 200 metres. He's come from nowhere. But the way that I've done my foreman, the way I see it on that day, he needed every bit of 1,400 metres off a fast tempo to get there. Mm -hmm. Now he's going to be out the back on a fast tempo over 1,200 metres and he's got to get past Nature Strip. Like this is a whole different a whole different ball game for Jackenow, who's clearly a great horse. But that that just in my mind, I, I know he'll be flashing home with a lightweight, but I'm just not sure that he can get past some of these seasoned sprinters who sit on speed like Eduardo and also Lost and Running.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a big ask. I'm excited to see how he goes, though. Like I was a bit sad yeah. to be in the Guineas, but I am, I am interested to see how he goes against these these big horses. Let's talk about Lost and Running. You just mentioned him. He's seven dollars in the market,
1: second in betting. How do you think he's shaping up? Nice Kiwi horse here. A lovely Kiwi horse by Perrin Canto, trained by John O'Shea, who's a Randwick-based trainer, and Hugh Bowman's going to take the ride on Lost and Running. He is a horse that has – he's now a six-year-old, but he's always just improved. Each preparation he seems to come back bigger and stronger and better. So he's had 16 starts, um, but we're really just seeing the best of him sort of last campaign and now this campaign in my opinion. He ran in the Everest last year um, and he finished fourth that day. It was sort of like the, the point where everyone's like, wow, this is a serious sprinter. I'm excited to see what else he can do in the future. He finished fourth to Nature Strip last year's Everest. Now, talking about what he's done this spring so far, well, first up he ran in the shorts behind Nature Strip. That was a month ago. Nature Strip had his measure that day on a soft seven over 1100 meters but their Nature's troop hasn't raced since then chris waller has said no you don't need to race again you can go a month into the everest which also gives you confidence that he knows he's absolutely flying but <laughs> lost and running subsequently went to another race called the premier stakes and he beat a lot of his rivals that he faces here that day it was a really good win it was a $2.25 favorite that day solid performance but there's probably one out of that lead-up race fee that I'm most interested in coming out of the Premier Stakes, and it's Sneaky Old Must Crusader, horse oh, number four.
0: Right. So what did you like about his run leading in?
1: I just like with Mask Crusader. So he's a a bit of a quirky horse. He doesn't win all the time because he's a bit like Chautauqua, same colours actually, in the sense that he just gets a long way back and he's winding up and he hits the line hard. But he was great in that lost and running race in the Premier Stakes. He went back to the inside and he really was winding up so strongly at the end of the race, he was second up that day. So now he hits the Everest third up, and I just think he's coming back into some form. It was sort of in the wilderness last autumn. Um, we saw him a couple of times, and it didn't really put down any great performance. But I think he might be back in great order here, and he's a relatively big price. Like looking at at the market at the moment, Musk um, Crusaders was got out to fourteen dollars. He's back into twelve dollars. He's an each way price. And from barrier 10, he can sort of be towards the, the rear of the field, but he's just going to absolutely launch at the line. And the key thing is, Fee, that this time last year, he did exactly that and he didn't win. He was only beaten 0.2 of a length to finish second to nature strip. Wow. So um, I just think that he's a, he'll be cherry right for his grand final again and he's a, a really nice little each-way bet in the Everest.
0: Yeah, I also really like that, um, you know, Last start against Lost and Running and Mazu, that was a heavy eight. Lost and Running has quite good wet form, whereas Mask Crusader certainly looks on his form profile to like a bit better ground. So he might get that on Saturday, and that might yep. um just just help him find that extra length. But yeah, to have lost so narrowly to Nature Strip last year, he's obviously got got the speed there to to run that big horse down. Yeah. Who do you like in the race, Fee? I thought ingratiating was quite over the odds, Grace. Um, I really liked his last run in the Scalacci uh, last week. So he's backing up. He ran quite a strong second to Paul Ailey. He's won on a heavy track, you know, about a month ago. So I don't think he like, minds it wet, but he's paying $51. What did you
1: think? Is that a bit over? It probably is, Fee, to be honest, because I think the market is taking into consideration with ingratiating what we've seen from him in his last couple of preparations. And that was as a two-year-old, this horse came out and was dominant. He was winning plenty of races. As a three-year-old, he went close a few times, but, um, didn't maybe live up to the expectation. Then he came back as an autumn three-year-old last preparation. And we really didn't see him fire at all, to be honest. Mm. But now he's come back in the spring again as a as an as a spring four-year-old. And he's had two stars for a win, as you mentioned, on that heavy nine track. And then it was a great run, I agree, in the scalachi stakes at Caulfield. So I think if you as you are sort of taking the set against what's happened in the past and just taking the horse on what he's doing right now. Yeah, he is over the odds. Um Godolphin own a slot as we mentioned. So ingratiating is the one that they've chosen to represent in this race. And he is on the quick backup, but you know, he'll be hard fit. He'll be heading back up to Sydney. He'll have some pampering and he'll get some R and R when he gets back up home um, to Sydney and he'll, he'll run a great race I definitely can't talk you out of ingratiating yeah maybe worth a, an
0: each way and obviously the Godolphin stable James Cummings they are absolutely flying at the
1: moment so oh my goodness yeah that's a great that point on
0: side. the only thing I guess for me is that like he is carrying 58 and a half same as Nature Strip and is giving away quite a few rating points to a horse like Nature Strip so that might work against him but yeah I just was looking through and I thought this horse is really paying a big price considering his last run he's he's in form he looked like he was you know easily handling the distance and hitting the line strongly so fingers yeah. crossed he can run another good race on saturday but that was really the only one that really stuck out to me I'm, i am really excited to see jack and no, um Lost and running and nature strip see how they all go
1: I just want to mention one thing, for you because It's a good learning example. So when we're talking about at weight for age, um, and how horses can be disadvantaged at the weight at weight for age, because maybe they're not genuine Group One performers, and that's Ooh. the case here. We've got horses like Giga Kick, who's a three-year-old, he's unbeaten, and Craig Williams is going to ride him, but he's only a ninety rater. So to him to go into a weight for age race, even though he's a three-year-old and he's got fifty-three kilos, like that is still a, an enormous way off the top horses here, which is Nature Strip at 123 rater, Eduardo at 118, Lost and Running at 115, Mask Crusader at, at 113. Even Ingratiating, who carries the same weight as those horses, is a 104 rater. So, what what you learn from this is that's fine, that's the conditions of the race. But if you saw then these horses line up um, in a handicap. For example, that's when you'd be wanting to absolutely be on the side of ingratiating and giga kick because they would be getting a huge, huge weight relief off those good horses.
0: Yeah, also looking at number nine, Joyful Fortune, 77 Raider, carrying the same yes. as Major Strips, like almost double in rating. That's yeah. so tough, but, you know, good luck to Joyful Fortune. Hopefully uh, they can run a good race.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's uh, he's up and coming, so you, you never know, um, but it is a big task. It is a very big
0: task. All right, guys, so let's just sum up with what our bit slips are looking like. I'm going to have a place bit on number eight ingratiating. What are you going to do in this race?
1: Well, I definitely think Nature Troop will win, but um, that's not great fun. You know, backing a $2.15 favourite, it's actually a bit more nerve-wracking than anything. So I'm going to go with Mask Crusader as my each way bet in this race currently at $13. I'm happy to just have an each way bet on Musk Crusader. So, Grace, before we
0: get stuck into our core field preview, we've had quite a few listener questions come in this week. I think people are up and about that. We're doing a little bit of Randwick form. And one of them comes from Bella, she asks, as racing purists, what excites you more this weekend, the Cup or the Everest? So let's start with you, Grace, because you are the racing purist out of the two of us.
1: (laughs) So that's a really hard question because, I don't know, the Caulfield Cup has obviously got, it's steeped in tradition. It's got such a rich history. Like, you know, you talk to plenty of people that have been in the industry for decades and they're like oh i remember when this horse won the Caulfield cap cup back in 1962 or whatever um <laughs> and it's it's those stories that i love about racing all those racing folklore bits so obviously it is one of the big three races um on the calendar and it is each and every year something that racing purists look forward to but you know the everest is also in its own right the best of the best sprinters so um you also really look forward to a race like that um especially with the prize money i suppose the one thing is for you know and it was a bit like with winks in the cox plates when you've got a dominant short price favorite like nature strip it sort of makes it a bit like oh it's just a gimme for nature strip again let's see if he wins when nature strip retires in a couple of years time or whenever that is the everest is going to be on because there will just be You know, it'll be such a great race. There's so much prize money at stake. You'll have, you could probably make a case for five or six genuine winning chances. So it's a little bit like each and every year it changes the makeup of the field and some years it'll be more appealing than others. Um, And so I'm excited for that, like post nature strip, post dominant stage um like a little bit in the sense that Winx was just demolishing in her cox plates
0: yeah that's a good point I guess that's why Bella's asking us there's this race that's full of prestige and I'm sure if you asked horse trainers around Australia would you rather win win the Caulfield Cup or the Everest they'd probably say the Caulfield Cup just because of that that prestige and and how much uh sway it holds in and the hearts of the racing community but I'm really excited Mm -hmm. about the Everest this year. Like, of course, looks like Nature Strip can for sure win for a second year in a row, but I'm still excited to see how some of the other horses run, especially, (laughs) you know, uh, Jackano and Giga Kick, two young ones who could really be stars of the future. I'm excited to see how they go. So also the conditions leading into this year's Caulfield Cup have put a bit of a dampener for me Mm. on the race. Like it's just a bit, uh, yeah, the conditions this year are a little bit deflating and have taken the shine off this great race so for me my attention is probably going to be more on the Everest this Saturday thanks so much Bella for that question but now let's get into our Caulfield Cup preview let's head down to Victoria here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states Well, Grace, we are finally here. The first of the big three races during the spring carnival this Saturday at Caulfield. First up, let's address the elephant in the room, the rain. Unfortunately, (laughs) with a very wet lead up, we will be definitely on a genuine heavy track on Saturday and they are moving the rail out six meters. But, you know, the Caulfield Cup is the ninth race on the card. The track is not going to be in great shape for the feature race. With conditions like these, when it comes to sitting down to doing the form, it can be hard to know where to start. So help us out at home. Can you run us through how much your tactics change when looking at your form leading into these sorts of conditions?
1: Oh, the whole thing changes. Um, It really, any rain, especially on race day rain, um, like you might as well just throw all your papers in the air and confetti all your tickets because it just changes everything completely. Um, So... There are a couple of things um, which we can get to as we go that you need to start thinking, okay, this is now a good thing and this is no longer a bad thing. One of those, of course, is being a horse's wet track form. Like you just start going and looking through for the wet trackers. When it comes to the Corville Cup, and I literally have written these three things down for my form and for the shows that I do, there are three questions I have want answers to help me find the winner of the Caulfield Cup on what is going to be a heavy track so this is what it comes down for for me who of these who are the Caulfield Cup runners like a wet track so you go through check all the wet track forms see who's been best on a heavy track who is fit enough to handle what is going to be a 2400 meter wet track slog basically because it's 2400 meters but it's you know, then that you, the stamina will be kicking in on these conditions. So you need to be really fit. And the other one is who is going to map to be within striking distance on these conditions. 18 horses to go around in the field. Sometimes it can be really hard to come from a long way back. You can if you're exceptional, but it's generally those horses are going to be just behind the speed or on speed and midfield that are going to attract me. This Saturday in the Caulfield Cup.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting that those are your three questions, Grace. I think they're all points that I was hoping we would be talking about because the first thing that comes to my mind, obviously, the wet track forms an obvious one, but the the hard fit horses. So that plays such an important role in a race like we're going to see on Saturday because twenty four hundred meters feels a lot longer when you're running through an absolute bog than when you yeah. are running on good ground so some horses are coming into this race with two runs under their belt and then you've got a horse like non-conformist who's coming in with four races under his belt like that's going to make a huge difference isn't it
1: yeah a hundred percent so there's quite a few horses that I've gone through um and it's literally like well you're third up here and you're off, you know, a couple of soft lead up runs where you got back and dashed home. I just can't be with those horses in this race. Um, one of them being Great House, another one being Sound. Like these are horses that I just, I mean, they, you can't be with all of them. So you have to start ruling some out. And I basically put a pen through the chances of those sort of horses that pro- profile third up off get back and run home runs the one exception to that rule is a horse called alegron who if you go back and look at what he did as a three-year-old so in the autumn of this year and last spring he's now four for godolphin he is such an amazing stamina horse he has been in derby slogs with Hitotsu and benno in the australian derby up in randwick in in april of this year And he has also won the St. Ledger, which is over 2,800 metres at Flemington. So we know that he loves to stay and we know he's got plenty of stamina. And that's just that sort of horse that he can come off a month between runs, third up, but still be right in the mix here and he loves wet tracks. Yeah, I was
0: looking at Allegra on too. And I think that point about the St. Ledger is such a good point. Like if you're a horse that's like sort of specialising around the 2,000 metre mark and you're stepping up to the Caulfield Cup, this Saturday, like that is a huge jump. Whereas like uh, winning over 2,800, like, yeah, you can handle those longer conditions. And that's what it sort of seems like this race is going to measure up as it's like, yes, it's 2,400, but really you need the fitness to get over much further because of the wet track. So yeah, he's definitely a horse that, that I thought uh, was a standout too, even though he's only at third up. The other point that I really liked that you raised was the speed map because do you think we're going to see many horses flying home from the back this weekend or is it like it, it's quite hard to change position in the run when when it's wet, isn't it, Grace? And then you're also taking into account kickback and things like that. Like it's, it's not comfortable out the back, is it?
1: So the one good thing about the rain and the whole thing that's happening is that we don't have any rain actually on the day. So, you know, you sometimes watch races and it's like being run in – heavy rain it's real sloppy and there's just it's bad we won't have that like visually it won't look that bad um so in terms of kickback it, i don't think it's going to be too bad i hopefully fingers crossed but um by this time which is race eight on the day i think that there's going to be no good spot to be it's going to be a bit of a plowed paddock out there so if you've drawn barrier 20 which has Benno, the second favourite, who's a beautiful grey horse, uh, who's on a seven-day backup. He, and nonconformist, raced in the might and power stakes behind Animo last Saturday at weight for age over 2,000 metres. Great lead-up run to this. But Benno has drawn barrier 20, he's going to get back there's no doubt about it he'll be one of the horses last in the run but there's nothing to say that by this stage of the day that you can't just cut corners you can't just weave your magic through you don't have to come they're not going to be hard against the fence you don't have to loop around them necessarily he'll be able to plot his course to get um, save ground and to get into the race at the right time so again then you're talking about speed maps and you're like well what does it even mean? Because you can basically come from anywhere and win. So it's it's so confusing. But Benno will have a lot of work to do. He'll be conceding a lot of ground to some other horses that'll be up on speed, like the favorite Smoke and Romans, who gets in with 51 and a half kilos. Crazy. And <laughs> will be very hard to run down. He'll sit on speed and he'll be the one they all need to catch.
0: Well, let's talk about Smoking Romans. He is our favorite at $4.60, so quite an open field in general. But, yeah, on the minimum, 51.5 kilos. I mean, we talked about the weight difference in the Everest, but it's even more prominent in this race, in this handicap. He's giving six kilos to number one gold trip, who's on 57.5 kilos, six kilos. And he's come off a group three win and a group one win last start. That seems crazy to me, Grace. Is this just because he's only hitting this elite level now? Like, is it because he's been coming through the grade and now he's at the elite level, whereas horses like Gold Trip and Dewis, you know, Dewis is a three-time group one winner. So, of course, her rating is a lot higher. But it seems crazy that a horse that's coming off two group wins is on the minimum weight.
1: Yeah. So what it is, and I mentioned it before with handicaps, is that the whole thing is you try and get your horse into a big race like this on the lowest weight. So what what Smoke and Romans has done and the trainers, Kiramara and David Eustace, they've absolutely nailed this. Like they have, we are clapping to them because they have absolutely hit the brief, which is I've got the favourite and he's on the minimum. Like you cannot do any more than that. So what happens is you're allocated a weight uh, when the order of entry comes out. It's a big fanfare. Chief Handicapper at Racing Victoria announces the weights for the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup. And from that point, which is, and I might add, the weights are based on your handicap rating at the time. Once those weights come out, from that point in time, you go about your business. And what Smoke and Romans has done has gone to a ballot exempt win and you're in golden ticket race, the MRC Foundation Cup, two starts goal at Caulfield, secured his spot regardless of weight. That has given him a golden ticket. He did receive a penalty from the chief handicapper of 1.5 kilograms, which took him from 50 kilos to 51 and a half kilos in the Caulfield Cup. But then he went to the Turnbull States, which is a group one set weights and penalties race. And once weights are released, if you win a set weights and penalties race or a weight for age race, basically anything that's not, a handicap race if you win one of those you cannot receive a penalty from the handicapper so he's gone smoke and romans and won a group one and isn't even penalized by getting extra weight for the Corfield cup so in terms of the placement it is absolutely perfect and they've got another runner in the race gold trip who's the top weight here but smoke and romans beat gold trip last start no past two starts And in particular, last time, Smoke and Romans carried an extra kilo than Gold Trip. So actually, the weight turnaround between those two is seven kilos. It is unbelievable. Is he's going to be really hard to beat, Smoke and Romans? It's just the 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 perfect preparation. The, they've perfectly mastered the plan of getting him into the race with everything I've just said, and for that reason, he honestly deserves to win this race. Like it's been brilliant from the team. Yeah, and as when in the
0: turnball was so good. Like he was so strong to the line. So that's a, that's really encouraging. Stiffy now to the twenty four. Do you think like the Ma Eustace team knew the force was good? like this good leading into this preparation and they have totally planned this the whole time or do you think they're a bit like oh wow we didn't realize he was going to go this well what do you think's going on I think
1: I think I think it's taken them a little bit by surprise and it's been a little bit of a um of a shock that he's gone to this next level but and I know because they've got the other horse, Gold Trip, who's come over here from the UK with a huge boom on him, like this is the best horse. But Smoke and Romans just keeps beating him. Um, but, you know, the thing about Smoke and Romans and why he keeps winning is that he just puts himself on speed, which when we talk about Benno, who's the second favourite from Barrier 20, it could be 10, 12 lengths off him through the run. And Smoke and Romans would just be sitting on speed, you know, just smoking his pipe, having a great time. He's just... He puts himself on speed. He's very tractable in the run. And for that reason, he's very hard to get past. So we've
0: talked about how our tactics should shift when looking at a race like the Caulfield Cup on Saturday with a genuine heavy track. <laughs> Having talked about that, Grace, who do you think has the most ticks
1: by their name for Saturday? Definitely Smoke and Romans. Um, is the one that I just really can't fault because he's got great wet track form, he sits on speed, um, and he's hard fit. Like, he's absolutely a stamina horse. He won the Pakenham Cup this time last year over 2,500 metres. He's just so consistent. There's really, and with 51.5 kilos, and Jamie Carr, who's yeah. taking the ride on him, like, there's honestly nothing that you can knock. Um, about Smoke and Romans. Yes, he might not be the horse with the biggest name or the biggest boom on him, like Gold Trip, but he just keeps winning. So he's definitely the one that is my on top selection in the Caulfield Cup. But we mentioned Allegron. He is definitely in amongst my key thoughts for this race. Benno, I've also mentioned the gray horse because of that fact that he's had a, a seven day backup. He'll be really fit. This is his and target that, race. Yeah, fifth up. Like he's rock up. Fifth up. up. He's, yeah, so he's ticking that box. <clears throat> he likes wet tracks. He was right there with a leg run in that. He to Australian Derby in the autumn over 2,400 metres. That um, was a great run. So he's definitely in the mix. Barrier 20 means he'll be going back and he'll need to be good, but I'm not saying he can't do it. And then the other one that I'm, I quite like is Numerian. Mm. And the reason I like Numerian is that he comes through a race up in Sydney called the Hill Stakes. He's trained by Annabelle Neesham. And that was a really fast run race. And he, he likes to sit on speed and he was right there. And he was only second up that day and he was a month between runs. But the way that he stuck on and he was so tough to the line tells me he's a stamina horse and also tells me that that will have really brought him along nicely now for What's going to be a real test on Saturday? So Numerian from Barrier 10, expect him to go forward and sit near the speed. He'll be right there as well. Um, and he likes wet tracks. So they're the, my top four smoke and Romans, Allegron, Benno, and Numerian. What on earth do you think, Fee? Because literally everyone's gonna have a different opinion in this race. <laughs> I just think I have to
0: go with Smoke and Romans. Like I think, like you said, he's got the most ticks next to his name, he's rock hard fit. Um, he was so, so good in, in his last start win. And I think at $4.60, like when you're, you're given a price like that for a horse that has so many ticks, like you just got to take it, don't you? Like, it seems like good value to me. So I think I'm just going to have to go with smoke and Romans, but I did want to talk about one other horse, Grace, who we've sort of been shadowing throughout the spring. And that is number six, non-conformist. We, You circled him to us in our spring carnival preview. What kind of path he's going to be taking to get to this race? And you were bang on. He was in every race that, that you sort of picked out for him to get him in on as little weight as possible. He's been running in group ones, all prep against really, really classy horses. He's also fifth up. So he's fifth up having run in really strong races and I, I think wait for, age like, races.
1: wait for age He's races on the wait for age path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think as we've been following him through this, this spring, tell us a bit about him. What are his chances on Saturday?
1: Well, his chances were great. And I feel really sorry for Graham Begg because he's done everything perfectly. The plan has been absolutely faultless until the fact that we're going to get 40 mils of rain on Thursday and it's going to be a heavy track because I'm just, I have no idea about this horse on a genuinely heavy track. He was second to incentivize in the Caulfield Cup last year on a soft track. But this is likely to be heavy, and it's going to be one for the wet trackers. So for me, nonconformist just didn't tick that box of wet track, of being a wet tracker, um, which is such a shame because you know that in terms of his fitness, he'll be peaking, and he is so fit. But it's just, is he the best wet tracker in the field? It's too hard to tell, and for that reason, I've, I had to leave him out of my top four.
0: So I'm looking at his form card now, and like it's he has never even attempted the heavy.
1: Yeah, so that's the we thing.
0: literally don't know. Or do you think they've always avoided a heavy because they know that he doesn't go well on it?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, I don't think that's necessarily it. I just think they've never encountered a heavy track before. But we just don't know. And the soft track second to incentivize was good. But other than that, he hasn't really won or done anything great necessarily on a a wet track. Like we've seen Allegron and Benno in that ATC derby put down a huge rating on a bog track that day. Mm -hmm. So, like, they're the horses that I'm focusing in on um, more so than nonconformist and also another one called Inspirational Girl who was great in the Kimble Stakes. But, again, wet track, big query. And also 2,400-metre sort of slog conditions, big query. So as much as you get drawn to certain certain horses, you also need to, like, you know, take a set against other horses for whatever your opinion is. And they can always be wrong, but that's just the way that I'm seeing it.
0: Yeah, so we just don't know with non-conformists. It's not that yeah. we know that he doesn't run on a heavy track. We just do not know. He could handle it. He couldn't. And it's, you know, quite a gamble. But, yeah really frustrating for Graham Begg who has you know had this perfect preparation and you know I mean he might know something we don't and be like this horse is actually going to be fine but yeah
1: you actually it talked me into it a bit eh, to be honest <laughs> you actually have talked me into it he's my fifth top rider <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I thought we'd better cover him since we've been sort of mentioning him in most episodes this spring so um yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes regardless, just because we've been following him through all of his races. Okay, so you've outlined your top four. I'm just going to go straight with Smoke and Romans. I'm I'm not really looking at much else. Oh, Allegron. I do like Allegron as well. So they're mm-hmm. the ones that we've highlighted for everyone at home. And hopefully we have, you know, helped people out with navigating these tricky conditions we're going to have on Saturday because it's okay. really... You know, you have to be able to pivot with what's going on on race day and what the weather's doing. And yeah, I think the super wet track, I think you've highlighted it perfectly. We want horses that have wet track form. We want horses that are really rock hard fit because 2,400 meters is going to feel a lot longer on a heavy track. And we have to take into account the speed map. It can be hard to make ground on these really heavy tracks. So Hopefully that's cleared things up for people at home because when I was looking at the race initially, I was going, I don't even know. This weather is just absolutely yeah. So thank you so much, Grace, for shedding some light on what we can do, how we can take the conditions into account when looking at our form.
1: But everybody just go and, and do your best because, you know, that's just my opinion and that's just the way I tackle it. But go and have a look through, you know, use those factors that we've mentioned to go and work out who you think is going to come to the floor in the Caulfield Cup
0: we do grace before we sign off from the Caulfield Cup have another listener listener question this one's from Kristen she asks how much of a disadvantage is it to draw a wide barrier in the Caulfield Cup let's do this in terms of this weekend especially with the heavy track but just on a in a normal year as well if we just had normal conditions What does the barrier draw actually mean in the Caulfield Cup?
1: Well, when we're talking about, you know, 18-horse field, we're talking about 24-horse fields for the Melbourne Cup, Um, barrier draws are huge. And if you draw a wide barrier on a good four-track, it is often basically putting an end to your chances. So it's relevant for the Melbourne Cup as well because of these massive fields that we get. Um, And, you know, if Benno were on a good four-track, the the horse Benno that gray horse we're talking about barrier 20 on a good four track it'd be so hard for him to make ground because they'd be sticking close to the fence they'd bunch up they'd accelerate and he'd have to loop all the way around all those horses and still be really strong in the finish it can be done it's just um you know it's certainly a disadvantage on Saturday we have got different conditions and so To be honest, it's probably less relevant because, as I mentioned, you can sometimes just cut the corner. They're going to be racing loosely on these conditions, on this really heavy track. He'll be able to cut corners. He'll be able to weave his way through rather than having to go all the way around them. So it's probably less relevant, the bad barriers being a negative on a track like this. But come Melbourne Cup Day, if you're watching and you're you're excited about a horse and they draw barrier 24 and it's going to be a good track generally it's not good
0: well that's quite interesting Grace so the conditions on Saturday might favor some of our horses that would have been disadvantaged given a good track so that's uh really enlightening and hopefully uh answers Kristen's question nicely for for her especially looking forward to the Melbourne Cup well Grace we only previewed two races this weekend but I actually think we covered quite a lot I think we Did a bit of decoding as well as full preview. We managed to uh, combine the two this week, which is really good for our listeners. I've certainly learned a lot again. Two really exciting races, two different races, sprint race up in Sydney and a nice day race down here in Victoria. Will you be trackside this Saturday?
1: I'll be at Caulfield. Hopefully there's no rain at all. Um, I'll be watching the Everest on the TV and then, of course, for next week. We turn our attention to my favourite race, it's the Cox Plate. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Everybody's already talking about it. Um, and, yeah, Cox Plate Day is fantastic. Bandicato Stakes Night at the Valley on the Friday night as well. So we'll be doing our form preview for that big carnival next week as well.
0: Yeah, really excited for that uh, back at the Valley. Let's hope the weather helps us out a bit leading into Friday and Saturday. And, yeah, another exciting week of racing ahead thank you so much to everyone for tuning in and we will catch you next week for the manicardo cox plate mooney valley carnival